Welcome to the Crime Juicy Podcast. I'm Carrie Ann. I'm Krista. And I'm Becca. With us is TikToker insurance broker. Daughter of two killers. Let's not forget wife, because that's important too. And mom and general do-gooder, Megan Puccio. Do-gooder, motivational speaker. Oh gosh. Hi. Hi, everyone. Being a wife is awesome. Being a mother is awesome. I love washing everyone's underwear. It's so much fun. I did my husband's. Okay, so I just put in a red shirt with all of his clothes once. I have never had to do his laundry again. So wait, you want to know? I'll be so honest with you guys. This is where I'm at with laundry right now. I got to the point where I stopped doing laundry for like, I want to say a week and a half. I just didn't want to do it simply. And I got so backed up. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it all today. But then that requires folding it all. Oh my gosh. My dad. The Florida Department of Corrections. To accept this call, press zero. To refute your current balance is $17. Thank you for using Global Telling. Hey, dad. Hey. Hey. I'm doing the, the interview thing right now. Hi, Marty. I'm Krista a lot of things that weren't taken into account for what happened to you. I have some choice words. I probably shouldn't say them because it's being recorded on here and our end, but uh, free Marty. Free Marty. Free Marty. In general, it sheds light on how absurd prison sentences are in the United States and how it's not. Okay. So you initially received the death penalty, correct, Marty? How did you get that? Uh, The Florida Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to send me to death while the others who were possibly more culpable got um, reduced sentences, less of a penalty than death, obviously. They did that just because they're, oh, how could someone do that to their best friend? Dude, I wasn't his best friend. No. (laughs) He made me be his friend. Two years, though, before the reduced sentence must have been hell. What were those two years before the reduced sentence like? I didn't think you could hear her question. They asked, they asked what the first two years of your sentence was like, you know, be- before they reduced you down from off the death penalty. And finding things to occupy my time, doing a lot of reading. Like emotionally, I think, because, you know, I was born. Emotionally, I mean, I was raised in a, I guess, a time period where men were just told to bite the bullet, you know, tough enough, deal with it. And so you don't always feel like doing that. But that's where I was emotionally, just trying to, my circumstances, without going crazy. When you got the reduced sentence, how relieved were you? A combination of relief and disappointment, because I was really hoping for a new trial, uh, because my first trial was such a sham. I was being defended by Laurel and Hardy. They really didn't know what they were doing, and one of the guys, I had co-count, well, I had two people representing me. One had never done a, a murder trial before, and he was coming to the trial drunk all the time. I smelled alcohol. I smelled very strong alcohol on his breath. So whether he could handle his liquor or not, uh, I can't say, but he definitely smelled like alcohol. What a shit show. And, so you're like lawyer showing up drunk. The I know the urban psychosis thing I heard about, the whole trying to spin to the media that the urban psychosis, it just terrible idea so where in this was megan born i was in 1994 and the murder took place in july 1993 when they were already in prison we were in the county jail for from the time i got arrested so when did you meet your daughter for the first time marty 
was able to have a special visit with her when she was six months old. And I was mm-hmm. able to hold her until she started bawling like a banshee. I handed her back to my mother and just watched her across the table. And uh, we got to spend a half an hour together when she was six months old and then if, when she was 10 years old after that. So there was a 10-year gap where you know, I, I didn't get to see him. What about the movie? One night, me and my husband were laying in bed, and I am blind as a bat without my glasses, and we were going through Netflix. There was a couple, there was one Nicolas Cage movie that popped up, and I'm squinting my eyes, and I'm that Nicolas Cage, and like, the next four movies, I'm like, that Nicolas Cage? And now my husband just randomly will be, oh, hey, look at that. Is that Nicolas Cage? He would do a good job, Marty. I think he could play you good. Oh, yeah. Well, I say that in humor, but I have a lot of people coming up to me and you know, saying, has anybody ever told you you look like Nicholas? No. But you think Nicholas Cage should have played you, Marty? Good choice. He's great. No, I was just thinking that. You know, I've never seen the movie. What I heard of it, it it's off uh, quite a bit. It, it would be really hard to capture mental, emotional, and physical trauma. And the back and forth that was going on in my mind, you know, on, from a, a teenager's perspective, you know, on how to deal with that kind of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know if anybody could actually capture that. Mm-hmm. I can't even relate it. It's hard for me to even explain it. You know, when I try to explain to her the uh, emo- emotional turmoil that I was going through, you know, I was, I had suicidal thoughts for quite some time because I had no clue on how to deal with you know, somebody who was so violent and so obsessed with me, who was always portrayed uh, to be the good guy, you know, by adults. You know, he punched a girl in the face in high school, and the girl didn't know him, but she knew me. So I got called to the dean's office, and they said, okay, who punched her? And I wouldn't tell on him, and then she picked him out of the yearbook anyhow. So they suspended him for three days and suspended me for 10 days for not telling. That's that's really how it would unfold a lot when we got in trouble. He would always get the lighter end of the stick. And to me, that just showed that he manipulated so well and he talked so well at that point in time that it would be hard for me to convince people that it was actually happening and it was actually severe. It was. I felt like I was living in a horror movie. That brings me to the question of from what we hear and have heard about Bobby. Do you think that no matter what, he would have been just a flat-out predator? I think there was a time when he was not a predator. Do you think he would have been somebody like a Jeffrey Dahmer, an Ed Kemper, somebody that no matter what would have been able to see somebody is vulnerable enough that they're going to do whatever I say? It's hard to decide if somebody will go through a life experience that makes them change or not. But I'll tell you this, uh, we watched a movie when uh, we were in our team, movie with Sally Field. It goes to Iran where their husband, and he keeps her there as a hostage with her daughter. And she's trying to escape the whole movie from um, Iran. And he, he, being of the Iranian heritage, thought that it would be uh, cool if he could do such a thing, find a, a woman in America, and then moved to Iran with her so he could meet her and treat her however he wants and she can't get away. That was his mentality as a teenager. 
when Ali did break away from Bobby. Ali Alice Willis? Because Ali was raped by Bobby. When she did break away from Bobby, Bobby told not only my dad, but my mom too, if Ali did not come back to him, he was going to kill her and her one-year-old daughter. It's always said the most dangerous part about being in an abusive relationship is when you leave the abusive relationship. How that initial period of leaving is actually the most fatal, most dangerous part of it. Well, my dad did leave at one point. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Dad, when you moved. Well, and actually, uh, us getting arrested together, and he was, he was blaming me for uh, being arrested. And so in the holding cell, he just kept on telling me, you're dead when we get out of here, you're dead when we get out of here. And he just kept on repeating it. And so when my parents did come to pick me up, I told them I have to get out of town immediately. When they questioned me about it, I wouldn't think that I just told them, uh, my life is in danger and I need to leave. And so they sent me to uh, upstate New York to live with my aunt for a little bit. And when I came back to visit for Christmas, uh, about four months later, he had acted like he had moved on and wasn't going to mess with me anymore. So I came back in January and immediately started again. But within two or three months, he was right. we were right back where we left off. Did you describe a typical day with Bobby? It was a lot of being ordered around to do that, do that, act around when it didn't turn out the way he wanted. In the temple, normally he normally tried to do things that wouldn't leave marks. That they were happening so often, so I, my mother would always see me with marks, which ended up happening. So super calculated. It was you know, it wasn't just rage outbursts. He knew he could control his actions enough to hide what he was doing from other people. He was hiding it early on. Probably for the first couple of years, he'd hide it from most people. There were people that he would do things in front of other kids our age. There was actually one time where he shoved me really hard against the telephone pole, and I probably flew about six or seven feet. And um, some kids, you know, later on that day asked me, if I wanted them to jump him. No, I said, no, that's okay, because I'm thinking of, okay, sure, he retaliates against me. And what's interesting is one of those kids actually ended up on death row himself. Damn. So, you know, we, I am, I have two sons myself, and I am a huge advocate for males, men, boys, speaking up when things like that happen to them because you guys are treated so unfairly because if you were a female, Marty, this would have been treated so differently, especially in the nineties. There would have been that that huge double standard. And even today people don't believe the things that happen to you happen to boys, to men that you are willing to even speak about it because like you said, You're just, you were taught to bite the bullet. You were taught to just man up. And sometimes you can't man up because people suck. There's this assumption that abusive relationships only happen in the context of romantic relationships and not as identified as, no, a friend could be abusing you. A roommate could be abusing you. a A family member could be abusing you, a coworker, a boss. But even if you're in it, there's not as much of an awareness of going through that checklist of red flags in your mind. Am I being abused by this person? Because it's, well, I'm not fucking them, so they can't be abusing me. And that's not the case. Our culture, our society in the 90s glorified 
the person who took the law into their own hands against uh, the monster, even even when it was perceived as wrong, is what they were doing. Our, our heroes were the tough guy, Wesley Snipes, and it kind of it gives us the wrong idea as a young boy growing up, you know, a bully facing somebody who is terrorizing them, and it's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame involved to not being man enough to handle your problems. You know, so it, there was a lot of pride involved that I was not in control of that situation and not feeling that I could go to my parents. There's this misconception that your parents were completely nonchalant to your pleas about wanting to move or wanting to, you know, do something different to get away from Bobby, or they were completely just not aware of what was going on. Is that true? Or is that one of those misinformations that is out there? Well, I think they thought whatever was going on, because they knew something was wrong, because I went from, you know, being extremely sociable with family events and just a joyful child to just always hiding out in my room and just always being depressed. And so they knew something was severely wrong, but, you know, they, they downplayed it for certain. And, you know, most parents don't, especially that generation, you know, they grew up in the, the 50s and the 60s, yeah. you know. I mean, it was so much different. It was so much different. And a situation like I was in wasn't realistic to them. You or know, something that you talk about. I was told stories of, you know, well, this kid had a problem with bullies and he just picked biggest one and hit him in the face and his problems were over you know that's that's what the stories i was told my my uncle got jumped by a group of guys and he went back with a chain and beat them all beat them all up and these were the glorifying stories i was told growing up so i was told that the only solution to a problem like that of a bully is to get the best of them i knew i was in a i knew i was in a situation i was dealing with a person that would get the best of me if he was able. So you never tried to punch him in the face? I did attempt that a few different times. Ended up with a broken nose. He was uh, a lot bigger than me for the majority of the years this was taking place, probably by 50 pounds and four inches. And that's a lot for 15, 16, 17 years old. I think by 18, I was 5'5", 125. By 18. I mean, it must have felt like a hopeless situation that there was no way out of of him in your life. I couldn't think of a, a legitimate way out. I mean, if you think about it, with the developing brain as a teenager, the society, quote unquote, societal norms of situations such as that. What, what, what else do you expect somebody to think to do? Yeah. You know, like that's that, that's my mindset. I I have got I have had some situations where there's things where I'm like, you know what? No, oh, two minutes. Okay, you know where I'm like, why why wouldn't I do that? So we have a couple minutes left. What is your stance on bullying, and what are you hoping most to do when you are released? Because it's going to happen. Because it's been put out there, it's happening. Well, I would tell kids today that they need to call talk to an adult about what's happening and if they don't get immediate results call the police 
get the police involved as quick as possible and get it on record that this person is harassing you mm-hmm. and keep on talking about it until somebody will take you serious and pride is not worth spending decades. What I want to do, I want to talk to kids. I want to go to high school and I just want to share, I want to share my story with people and try to help people learn from the wisdom I've gained through, you know, hard times and rough experience. That is amazing, Marty. And I want to thank you so much for speaking with us and sharing your story and how you feel. Not all the way, but you know what? I don't care because I am so just grateful. I've been following your story for like 13 years and I think it's amazing what Megan is doing for you. And I'm excited for you and the future. I really want him home. I really want you home, Dad. I'm really trying. You have. Anything else you'd like to say, Marty? Any other message? For anybody who is enduring abuse, don't give up. Somebody cares. And there is somebody who will help you. There is somebody who will listen. Uh, Don't make the mistakes I did. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, Deb. I appreciate it. This helps, like, a lot. Thank you for using Global Telling. It only gives us 30 minutes. Sorry to steal your time. No, uh, that was planned. I told him, I told him, because I read your message wrong. I saw 630. I told him, call around 630 if you can, because he can't call at a certain time. Uh He just has to put his name on a list. And I don't know your religious stance, but I'm a true uh, Christ believer. And I do believe that God was definitely working on our side when it came to that. That was perfect, perfect timing. I am a believer in divine timing. We experience a lot and a lot actually on this show. (laughs) We do. We want to hear, you know, what you know about the story, some of your childhood stuff. But yeah, your take. Yeah, Mm -hmm. your take on this situation and being famous for something that you were. Hey, do you cringe love dad jokes? Well, what about mom jokes? Then have I found the one mom band for you. Jessica Delfino is a critically acclaimed comedian, musician, and writer. She was once dubbed the Lower East Side's Queen of Obscene, but since becoming a mom, she performs more family-friendly musical comedy all over the world and all across the airwaves. She's been featured on Good Morning America, BBC Four, Scary Mommy, and even on the Playboy channel. Check out her new book, Dumb Jokes for Smart Folks, on Amazon. A delightful read, chock full of witty wordplay, logical leaps, and of course, mom jokes. And check out her musical comedy on iTunes or at jessicadelfino.bandcamp.com. For Jessica's latest works, upcoming performances, and more, follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Jessica Delfino and on TikTok at Just Some Mom. Because everyone needs a good laugh. I, I didn't realize the my my fame status until I, I started doing the TikToks on this. I had about sixty thousand followers before you know I started talking about my mainly just for comedy. You know the I got a fucked up sense of humor too, and some people like it. So I've been told a certain story as a child, growing into an adult. I'm starting to notice that there are some things that aren't true, and you know, I started becoming curious to what the real truth was. I, 
I'm not an entitled brat, but I, I do think I deserve the truth as, as much as anyone would, you know, in, in this situation, you know, my whole, my whole childhood was stripped of me. I had to go through things that normal kids didn't have to go through. I was pulled out of class multiple times a week to go through therapy because I knew about my parents and the murder and the movie at a, at a very, very young age. They suggested therapy when I was a child because there was a couple of situations and I think either kindergarten or first grade. Oh, you, wait, did you want to ask a question? Yeah, I was going to say, when you found out about the movie, was it something that someone did out of a malice manner or was it you just stumbled upon it? So I found out about my parents in the movie and everything through a cousin who wasn't that much older than me and just thought it was cool because we're kids. Yeah. We don't yeah. know better you know like oh murder like yeah there's a movie what you know we're kids we don't we don't understand that kind of stuff so but it it was it was that I didn't take it very well I started crying because I didn't I didn't think I had any other mom and dad I thought the people who I was living with was my mom and dad and you know I had different parents. Were you living with uh, foster parents at the time or with adopted parents or? I I was living with my grandparents. I was living with my mom's parents, but you know, I was too young for them to sit me down and tell me anything. And, and it made sense because I knew I was not, I didn't call them mom and dad. And I remember thinking as a child, why does everybody call their parents, mom and dad? I call mine Grammy and Papa. You know, so I, when you're raised a certain way, you don't know any other way until you start noticing like little things that aren't, you know, exactly normal. And then, you know, they had to sit me down and then they had to tell me, you know, Hey, your real mom and dad are, are in prison and uh, for murder. And then I just, was like, yeah, that's a lot for a five-year-old to take yeah. in. Yeah. So I didn't know what murder was. And I think somebody tried to explain it to me which probably wasn't the best idea. So when I was in kindergarten or first grade around then, because the movie didn't come out uh, until I was about six, six years old. So like, they didn't know, they didn't tell me that there was a movie. They just told me that my parents were in prison, like for murder and stuff. But I remember like when I did find out about the movie coming out, I told everybody in school because I thought it was cool. Oh, there's a movie about my parents, you know, like, Hey, like, can we be friends? I just wanted friends. Like I I was doing anything because I was always the weird girl. Cause I like would draw these pictures. Like when the teacher would be like, okay, class, let's draw pictures of our families and what we like to do together as a family. My fucked up ass at five years old drew a picture of me with my mom and dad killing somebody. Oh shit. Your teachers were like, oh no. So I would, I had there's like, my grandma still has them. I don't know. She won't, she hid them. I, Cause I want to post them. And she won't let me, she hid them. There are these drawings. Like, this that is never going to find this. Never. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably never find those pictures. I don't know if she threw them away or hit them or she, she pretends that she doesn't know what I'm talking about. You know, like, they're somewhere. <laughs> yeah. They're in there somewhere. I'll find them one of these days. So, and I, I saw them a couple years ago. They're in her house, her house somewhere. So there's these pictures of I drew of my dad physically stabbing somebody and the guy bleeding out and me and my mom in the background, like clapping, like, yeah, that's some natural born killer shit. Was this before or after the movie? 
This was before the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the movie didn't come out until I was about six years old. Okay. You know? What was that, 2001? So you weren't influenced by the film in any way in these drawings in any kind? It was just um, my imagination. Let's go over real quick the, the whole murder, like, Two-minute synopsis. Krista, go. July of 1983, Marty Puccio, Lisa Conley, Allie, cousin Daniel, right? No, well, you can say Daniel because I know he's going to oh, he's gonna yeah. shit show. We'll say cousin D. How about we just say cousin? Cousin. cousin. Random. Yep. Donnie. You can say Donnie's name. I don't care. I don't give a shit about <laughs> that. And... How does Heather feel? Because I know Heather is out. So and- she wants to be left out of it 1 million percent. Okay. That girl's never been there that night. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. She she seemed like she was pretty removed from the situation. She's just wrong place, yeah. wrong time. Friend. Okay. Friend happened to be there. There was, and then, and then mafia guy. And we laugh only because it's one of those situations where it's, oh yeah, I'm in the mafia, but really I just have a whole bunch of little kids thinking I'm... Well, and we all know that guy who was 20 <laughs> and hanging out with high schoolers and buying us all booze and we thought he was super oh, yeah. cool because he'd get us... Yeah. But yeah. Like, that was pretty much actually yeah. that cool. Yeah, mafia guy. Mafia guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, they happened to meet Lisa and how about Allie? How does Allie feel? Allie and Lisa are still best friends. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure trauma bonded. Yeah. There's a a few accounts. One's called Megan Marty lies. That one's fun. I'll have to check that one out. I'm pretty sure that that one is Allie. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I know Allie has a TikTok. And she made these videos saying that my mom, that my dad and Bobby were having sex all the time, which one is not true. I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. It's it, it makes no fucking sense to me at all. But my dad knew these girls for three fucking months. Oh God, he knew he did not know any of these people. None yeah, of these so, people. Yeah. So people remember, don't just the <laughs> internet has or anything has shown you that about people. But even back then, don't trust anybody. No, <laughs> I might be out of line for saying this and I'm probably, I'm no, I'm going to get backlash for this, but it's something that my dad said to me that I, I think about a lot and I don't exactly know what he meant by it. But because I was asking him, I was like, how did you get into this situation with Lisa? I was like, you knew her for four months. I'm sorry, but it just, something's not adding up. You know, how, how did we get, how did you, how did we get here from somebody that you knew for three months? And he said, well, I can put it to you this way. The obsession that Bobby had with me was nothing at all compared to the obsession Lisa had with me. That's oh wow. So he had initially two Bobbies at one time, which just fucking threw him over the edge. I mean, that would throw anybody over the edge at at that point. Basically, Bobby Kent is the one that ended up stabbed and smashed with the baseball bat. Bobby Kent and Marty Puccio were, it it was more of a hostage situation than a friendship, but Bobby was an incredibly abusive, psychologically, physically, horribly abusive friend to Marty for many, 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 many years. It was a really, I mean, there was psychological abuse, physical abuse, intimidation, sexual abuse, all kinds of shit. It was really fucked up childhood and into high school and beyond. If y'all want to look into it farther, you can. I've been listening to podcast after podcast about this and it is, it's dark. It's really dark what Marty went through. 
podcast talking there's, about there's, this? there's a lot there's podcast episodes we will I'll, I'll have her gather the links for yeah you. we'll put the links in but the, in in uh, in them well, you're the way that they're portrayed yeah. because it's just bobby sucks bobby sucks bobby sucks and then they killed bobby and bobby's parents were sad parents are like millionaires from the movie i i don't get royalties for some fucking reason that's how you involve me in the movie i had you could have done the movie Wait, Without so, knowing Lisa was pregnant. Wait, so yeah. was a baby cast as you, or were you just like a bump? Or I was, okay, I was a bump. Yeah. So basically, Marty knocks up Lisa, and Lisa's like, "We got to get rid of Bobby. Bobby sucks." But Lisa's also. I mean, she yeah. wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She was no. The- see, that's the thing. I don't know why she was so. She was very defensive on TikTok. Nobody disagrees. No. with what she did no one Nobody. disagrees but she'll, she'll never own up to it but that's okay that's her own shit but that's like I, no one disagrees yeah with wanting him gone especially because in lisa's position i you know i don't have a relationship with my mother i personally don't like her but that's it's my own personal reasons has nothing to do with the murder what have i been reading this month sin sado noir an anthology collection curated by m dante This isn't just your average bedtime story. Think drinking in an intimate conversation about sadomasochist love and global literature. Think alluring reflections on bondage and hot power play in cinema. Think of decadent discussions on the influence of politics and culture on sexuality within the framework of social control. Oh yeah. Sexual intellectuals rejoice and check out Mockingbird Publishing on Facebook and on Instagram at Mockingbird underscore pub. Sensato Noir. Yes, ma'am. But, you know, this is Lisa's perspective. Lisa had a best friend, Allie, and her and Allie were best friends thick and thin since they were kids. And this guy is raping her best friend and threatening to kill her and threatening to kill her baby. Now Lisa's pregnant with Marty, who Marty is an intense, I mean, she saw the horrible trauma and abuse that he endured with Bobby. She got behind behind the veil. She got a very unique peek behind the veil. Like she saw, yeah. So she got to see firsthand, like the way Marty was being treated, which, you know, and she loved him and she was, she was pregnant with his between love and obsession. She was obsessed. She She was, was. she was obsessed with him and she was in love with him. That's those are my dad's words. Those aren't her words. Those are my dad's words, but you know, and now she's pregnant. Yeah. So watching what Bobby wanted to do to, you know, uh, a baby, she was probably in a position where she's like, he's going to kill my child. He's going to kill my child eventually, or my baby daddy or Allie, my best friend, you know, like this guy was literally threatening to kill everyone. And why my dad didn't bring it up is Bobby threatened to slice the throat of my dad's three-year-old nephew, a three-year-old. And my, and his mom, I actually, I don't know if you want, I can replay, I can play the recording from my grandma, Marty's mom talking about, you know, the threats from Bobby. Like this guy was going to kill, he was going to kill his mom. He was going to kill the nephew. He was going to kill Allie. He was going to kill Allie's baby. He was going to kill me. He was going to kill Joe. Marty he was, he was going to fucking kill everybody. He was just going to fucking mass murder everybody. Well, and like, Bobby is that it never crossed his mind that like, People might be like, oh, we should kill Bobby. It never, he was so cocky that it never crossed his mind. I mean, I don't condone killing, but like you can't push multiple fucking people 
and expect to be okay. It's fair enough to say it's like, you're going to catch me on the wrong goddamn motherfucking day and you're going to die. Any one of those, like, he he caught them on the wrong motherfucking day. Yeah. He messed with a lot of people who weren't really in the right minds. No. And it's always those people that you don't suspect. I am going to put that out there. It it can be. I I do find it fascinating that there were so many involved. I mean, they were kids though. You know what I mean? Like a kid wouldn't do that by themselves unless they were truly sadistic. You know, I don't think any of them, I I think the only person who really wanted to kill Bobby was Donnie. And I think Donnie's sadistic, but it was Donnie's 18th birthday. And I don't, that kid, he was more than excited. He was the first one to stab Bobby. He like went right up and was like, (laughs) and then right in the fucking neck. So my dad is like, oh shit, they're really fucking doing it. You know, they're screaming at my dad, you better help. (laughs) They're all holding knives. So, you know, he's like, fuck. So, I mean, he was, he was just been put in a bad situation after situation after fucking situation. Now he's pregnant with Lisa, you know, like what the fuck? Like there's so many things happening. And, and not only that, but he might've been 19. Hey, he was tested when he was six. No, when he was 17 years old, he was tested. My grandma got him tested at somewhere in Fort Lauderdale. Psychiatrist literally told my grandma, he is mentally 10 years old when he was 17 imagine being traumatized and bullied for so many years you do not mentally develop yeah doesn't um it does isn't it something that like you kind of stop at the point of trauma yeah instead of instead of dissociating and creating a split brain Mm -hmm. his brain just stayed where it was so it's like it's like if you if you start doing drugs at a really young age because of all the hormones that are released and all of those things, it just stops. You just stop. You're just there because that's how you learned how to deal with it. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's not to say that you can't like grow as a person, but. So do you think, and wasn't he under the impression that they were just going there to like beat him up? I don't think. Or is that one of those misconceptions that was out there? I think any of them really thought they were going to kill Bobby that night until Donnie started fucking stabbing him. I think they were all just fucking bluffing until Donnie started actually physically fucking killing him. And then Derek Kaufman started, started helping too. And then, you know, everybody else and my dad started helping because they started screaming at Marty to help. I, I think, no, that's not in the movie. No, because they, they make my dad out to be, you know, like one of the plotting yeah. people. I don't oh, think yeah. anybody was planning on killing Bobby that night. I think they were going to rough him up. I don't it think it did not gonna seem like a thought out plan. It just, it wasn't, they were kids. You were 18. Did you ever physically, did you ever actually plan out your night or did you just never. go like, we're going to, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Never why, why we got what we need? Like, hell yeah. Let's- no one makes a plan before the age of 25. Just no. no one thinks of anything. When they dumped them, they dumped them out by the Everglades, correct? Yeah. yeah. So they, they, who, who was involved with that? Was it all of them or just a few of them? I don't know. I, I was there technically, but. Right, right. I, of course. Shit. I ain't, I'm not no snitch. Looking through the belly button. What'd you do, a mom? Oh, never mind. But how, was he, okay. How was his body discovered? Uh, his body was discovered. My cousin, yep, uh, my cousin. mom's cousin went to the police because he was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. and went and got the police and brought them to the body and was like, Hey, look, I kind of witnessed this happen. I really was not involved in this, but here's the body. 
And then they throw him in prison for five years. Like how, how does he get, how does he even get time is what I don't understand. Because he, 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 he didn't do anything. He, yeah. I watch these people kill somebody. Here's the body. And they're like, mm, all right, five years. I'm like, that was something I didn't understand about the charges or the convictions, how like yeah. so many murder charges were doled out to people that didn't actually murder him. Yeah. How's these by blame it on the 90s? Yeah, let's just blame it on the 90s. Like the 90s yeah, were I feel like everyone was just kind of dumb. Just like playing it by ear like all right like so the judge so this is a really interesting thing the judge who sentenced everybody was a complete fucktard in my opinion <laughs> he was drunk the judge was a fucktard he played himself in the movie you guys know that right That's no uh, okay i have to rewatch it you gotta rewatch it the judge in the movie is the actual judge so uh no fuck no nicholas cage cannot play me only i play me but you know what? My dad probably would make a good, you know what? Nicholas Cage would probably do a very good job. I yeah, think no, they should, no, you as, know what? As him it, now, like as him, as a, a grown adult. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, yeah. if you're listening, we got ideas for you. Yeah. I, I hope they remake this fucking movie and I hope they, you know, who would oh, No, they, they don't need to remake the movie. They need to make a different Make movie. a different movie. Who would play make me? It, make a better movie. Ooh. I don't know. Who would play me? to pick like have a baby yeah. doll or whatever <laughs> if i get to pick, if i had a pick I w- it would have honestly i think the best person to play my character would be that girl from american pie the redhead what's her name oh, oh. that one time i've been yeah that one time I've- i feel like that <laughs> i feel like that's pretty spawn on good choice yeah uh, I don't remember her name though america i just know her from american pie but like that's i'm kind of ditzy or she was also in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, I'm kind of like soft-spoken and ditzy. I do some really dumb shit. But I mean, like, I don't know. My life is mainly, a, it's almost like a comedy movie. It's really not a sob story, which that's good, at least. My judge is a sob story. That was sad shit. But, you know, as I became an adult, I was like, I was taking the world and grabbing it by the balls and twisting it a little too hard. Like something will come out of here. That's how it works. Yeah. I do have a question though. So what prompted you to get onto TikTok and start speaking out on other platforms? And- so what prompted me was when I started scrolling through my for you page on TikTok. And I think it happened three times before I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna say did something. you just get uh, on TikTok for funsies? Like yeah, I did. Oh, cool. I got TikTok. I have a friend Chelsea and she was she was obsessed with it for like a year and all I heard from her mouth was you need, you need to download TikTok. I was like, I will never ever download TikTok. And now I have like over a hundred thousand followers and she she just like always throws it in my face. And I'm like, listen, all right, all right, it's you are you have the credit. But I started seeing these videos of my dad and I'm like, okay, because when I turn on the TV, oh, there's my parents on forensic files again. All right. What's on the Disney channel? My parents aren't on the Disney channel. That channel's safe. (laughs) Or like, you know, you're scrolling through different movies on prime and it's like, check out this movie bully. I'm like, no, thank you. Seen it. Don't want to see it again. Mm -hmm. Or I'm scrolling through facebook and my dad it's so fucking weird to just no matter where you turn or look or if you go on youtube there's random videos of my life 
of people just explaining what I do every day. And I'm like, you don't know me. I'm wearing a shirt that says bite me. I smell like wonton soup. My hair hasn't been brushed in three days. Like you don't know shit. Like if you guys are going to, I mean, if, if everyone's just going to, it's been 30 years, you know what I mean? Obviously the story's not dead. If everyone wants to keep talking about the same little bits of information that people know over and over and over and over, I'm sure someone wants to hear the truth. I have the truth. Who wants to fucking hear it? And then it had like a million views and like a shit ton of likes. And I was like, oh God, what have I done? And it happened like <laughs> within like three hours. And I was like, oh, there's no fucking turning back now. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go back. So I had anxiety for like a whole month where I did nothing but like shake, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. I wasn't drinking anything besides coffee which did not help. And it was something that I was not emotionally ready to like face being their daughter. So, you know, when I started like doing these videos and like talking, it it got to the point where, you know, sometimes I go to Walmart and like, Oh, you're, you're the daughter. Oh shit. Can we take a pic? Can I take a selfie with you? And I'm like, sure. Okay. All right. I mean, I look like shit right now, but all right. Just don't post it on the internet. Edit it a little bit, you know, straighten my hair in the edits. (laughs) But it got to the point where like people were like, you know, you're famous. I'm like, I'm not fucking famous. What? Are you kidding me? I work two jobs. I can't be famous if I'm broke. So like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if famous would be the right word to use. I think just people, I'm basically a tiger king. Yeah. (laughs) No, that, okay. So like, no, no, like <laughs> that's cute. No, no, but not like at Tiger all. King's first husband, or I like Tiger <laughs> King's first husband. John was my favorite. Oh, he, he has teeth now. He's good looking. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I did think John was cute with and without the teeth. No, uh, what, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> they always say women with no teeth. Hey, talks about that. Because, you know, being pregnant, you know, like you got so many fucking, dent- I have dental problems. Like you wouldn't believe, I mean, like my teeth are pretty, but like those roots, they all need root canals. Like that happened to my mom when she was pregnant, when she was pregnant, the pregnancy hormones just like destroyed her mouth. Yeah, it really does. And I took yeah. like the prenatal pills and everything right now. So my, my best friend right now, she's, she's due in her birthday, which is September 16th. And she is freaking out. Wait, is she due on her birthday? Yeah, she's due on her birthday, but she's freaking out and her fiance already has two kids. The oldest is 13 and she's like, oh my God, I need you to be there. My mom is a spaz and he's just, I don't know, but I need you to be there. Actually due on my dad's birthday. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I know that my, like my best friend, like if something is going wrong with her, I'll call her and be like, what the hell is going on? And vice versa. That's we're just those, but yeah, I'm like, ugh. I have a friend like that. Her name's Jessica. My, my last TikTok video actually. So we went to universal over, over the weekend and uh, she, I had, she knew that I had to leave early Saturday morning. So she calls me at two o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, and she's freaking the hell out on the phone. And I'm like ready to grab a baseball bat and go kick someone's ass. I don't know what like, the hell. That? So she is like, Megan, do you know what I'm looking up on Google right now? And I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, so she calls me and she's like, Megan, Megan, do you know what I'm looking up on Google right now? And I'm like, what? Like, what are you looking up on Google? 
And she's like, whale poop. Do you know how big whale poop is? Oh, but that's super big. Yeah, but it's like two o'clock in the morning. Like, why do I need to know this? So, <laughs> right. So she and I start like researching whale poop and like people sell it on eBay for like $10,000 a clump, which is crazy because people eat it. It's in our perfume. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what about the perfume? I know about the ambergris to make that's perfume. what it's called. Yeah. But like, so, eat it. We're on perfumes, aren't we? The underground market on ambergris is just as dangerous as like the underground makeup market, the underground purse market. It is. See, they can make everything sketchy. They make like freaking hair trafficking. So I'm at Universal and they have these, these like leather bracelets, right? And you can customize them any way you want. You know what I did? I didn't put her name on it. It says whale poop. Can't wait to give her that shit. Uh, Yes. I told her I bought her a very rare and expensive bracelet. And that's what I'm going to hand her. I love it. I love it. That's what you do with best friends. I was going to ask, do you uh, speak to any extended family, like your uncle or grandmother on your dad's side? Yeah, I speak to, actually, my dad's side is the only side I do speak to. I don't speak to my mom's side, but I'm pretty close with my grandma, my dad's mom. I talk to her quite a bit. And then... My uncle, Chris, I'm close to him. The only time I ever talked to my uncle, Tony, which is his other brother, who's not mentioned in the movie for some reason, is when I post something on Facebook that he politically disagrees with. That's usually when I hear from him. We all have that uncle. We all have that uncle. That <laughs> uncle. We all have that. I, I post something politically incorrect. You know, he will correct me. Thank you, Uncle Tony. Thank you so much. Yes, so we want to say thank you to our guests, Marty Puccio and Megan Puccio. (laughs) And we all want you to know, hey, free Marty, look into this case. Look into, understand that you don't have to be in a relationship to be in a domestic violence situation. Also, understand trauma bonding. And also, most of all, being a teenager, your sucks. It does, especially when you got that shit going on. Well, and I always tell people, how are you supposed to act like adults when you make adult decisions and then you're treated like a child? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. How are you supposed to know what to do? And we'll also blame the 90s. That's a wrap. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, we'll do this again, definitely.